morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Wednesday, March 15th, we are studying John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. In today's text, Jesus continues to address his disciples in the upper room, giving them another one of his I am statements. I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus says. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. Pastor Wheatfelt serves as the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Thank you, Pastor Apple. It's a great joy to be with you again. Tell us about how things are going there at the seminary. Any coming events that you'd like to highlight? Absolutely. Things are going great here at the SEM right now. We are just beginning our uh, spring quarter. Uh, we're still in the quarter system, and uh, our students have been off the last couple of weeks, taking a break during at the beginning of this Lent, but um, that we will be starting back up. Uh, we just started back up, I should say, uh, this, this past Monday. So uh, we have a visitation event coming up here tomorrow, uh, March 16th. Uh, we've got our spring prayerfully consider visit. And uh, if you aren't able to make that since it is just tomorrow, we do offer one more prayerfully consider visit, a new prayerfully consider visit this summer. Uh, that is July 6th through 8th um, of this year. Uh, we'd love to have you come visit us, spend some time with us, bring your family. Uh, if you have one, if you're uh, single, that's uh, we would love to have you just come visit us, check out what we do here at the seminary and spend some time with us. We also have uh, some new Christ Academy events coming up as well. Uh, we have a new Christ Academy Family Institute, a new program to the Christ Academy family geared towards church workers who are youth-focused, our families and caregivers as well, uh, to help them uh, walk alongside of their youth as they try to look at the difficulties of growing up in this age, uh, how the world just wants to tear them down, but how we as church can rally around our youth and really train them up for the next generation. And then our uh, that is uh, June uh, 15th through 17th, right before our Christ Academy High School event, which is uh, June uh, 18th through July 1st. Uh, that's for both our uh, Timothy School for the boys and Phoebe School for the girls. Uh, there are uh, only a handful of spaces left for the girls, uh, but we've got plenty of room for the guys, and uh, uh, we look forward to having as many uh, young men and young women join us as are able. Hmm. And I know this isn't an admissions event, but I believe call day should be coming up relatively soon as well. It is, yeah. Um, I can't remember the day right off the top of my head, uh, but both our call and vicarage days are coming up here at the end of April. And uh, yeah, the, you continue to hold up uh, these young men, uh, or these men just in general, who are receiving their, their vicarages, their vicarage assignments to go off into the church and do their year of study underneath uh, the tutelage of a pastor. Um, and then also, and especially our, uh, the men going and getting their first call. 
Um, the, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. The seminaries are, are bringing in as many men as we, as we can find. Uh, please continue to send and encourage your men to consider coming to the seminaries of the church so that they can train. There are lots of vacancies. Uh, we're we're going to be pumping out a handful of guys uh, this year. Um, our, we've got bigger classes in the in future years, but uh, we can always use more and more pastors. The church can uh, will will always have a, sh- a shortage of pastor pastors, so to speak. But uh, and uh, we continue yeah continue to pray for these men and uh, continue to raise up men in in your congregation as well. That's right. An encouragement to pray to the Lord of the harvest to continue to send out workers into his harvest field as he does through our seminaries. So, Pastor Wheatfelt, today we get to look at the first part of John 14. Help us with some context as we prepare to look at these first seven verses of John 14. So, as we look at John's gospel, I mean, we realize John's gospel and something we've been walking through as we've been working through John's gospel so far. John's gospel is different than the other gospels, what we call typically the synoptic gospels matthew mark and luke they typically deal with with um with the life of jesus in a chronological way we'll try to spit that word out chronological way um dealing with his birth then 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 moving into uh his youth uh and his his uh his the beginning of his ministry and then taking you uh up the mount of transfiguration which we celebrated uh just a handful of weeks ago right before lent and and then back down as he sets his face towards jerusalem especially as luke's gospel uh puts it uh but then walking through walking along those lines whereas john's gospel really revolves i mean it has bits and pieces you i mean you think about the great opening the great introduction to John's gospel where he really does pull in themes and emphases from um, even Genesis in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God I mean this is where this is this is creation language and pre-creation language this is the the economy of the Trinity that we're talking about here how the how the Trinity works together uh, and ultimately then how uh, from the Trinity, the Son is sent to Earth, uh, in, uh, in be, is is incarnate and born of the Virgin, um, the Virgin Mary. Then grows up and yet still remains both God and man, and it just that just is absolute beautiful, beautiful language. But then John plays with uh, the, these I am statements, and we'll see one of them today. Seven in total. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the today we see. I am the way, the truth, and the life, uh, followed by uh, the resurrection and then the true vine. Um, that uh, it's it, it just beautiful, beautiful uh, language that Jesus uses to convey the mystery of the incarnation, to convey the mystery of our salvation. Um, that is, uh, as as firm uh, of, of of and concrete as it is, it's still a great mystery to our mortal minds to be able to comprehend how one how how God takes on our human flesh, but two why He would take on our human flesh um, and then ultimately suffer the consequences of our sin, uh, so that three then we can in turn receive His glory 
receive um, what he truly deserves, but he gives that to us as a free gift. So we, it, 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 so it revolves, John's gospel revolves all around that. The, the other cool thing, I think, for John's gospel, he really harries us uh, to, um, to this Holy Week. And to get, he gets us there very quickly. Um, you know, we see in uh, John 11, we see the death and, and raising of Lazarus. And then with that, then uh, one of the plots to kill Jesus. This is, we see, the, we see other plots happening earlier in John's gospel. This, this is the one that's like, okay, we've got to get rid of this guy. If he can bring people back from the dead, what else can he do? We've got we've got to get rid of this Jesus guy. He's he's gonna he's gonna kill all of our fun and actually make us do the things that we should be doing instead of you know living in our religious um, religious sanctums, if you will. And then in John chapter twelve, we've got the anointing of Jesus by Mary at Bethany, and then from there, you know, we see kind of a final. Um, plot to kill Jesus right before Jesus is about to enter into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday with the triumphal entry. Jesus doing some more teaching early in the week. And then finally, in uh, right before uh, what we see today, Jesus washing his disciples' feet, uh, as well as then uh, Jesus foretelling Judas's betrayal and Peter's denial. And I like holding those, especially in John's gospel, I like holding those two in tension with each other because the outcomes are so different. The sin, sin is the same. That is, they both, um, they, they, they both are looking out for themselves. Uh, and, and we know that really the old, you know, no, no sin is different than another. A sin is, is sin. Now, some sins have different, um, different penalties uh, against them, but um, that are required for that. Uh, they change sin. Uh, some sins change our relationship in different ways and, and other things. But ultimately, you know, a sin is sin and sin uh, ultimately uh, condemns an individual. And without the blood of Jesus, without his free forgiveness of our sins, um, we, regardless of whether we commit one sin or a million sins, uh, we deserve hell. Uh, so I say all of that to say, but they come with, uh, you know, Judas's betrayal and Peter's, de uh, Peter's denial come with two different outcomes. You've got Judas who looks inwardly uh, to try to figure out how he's going to take care of this. And the only, the only outcome that there can be is that he has he is shed blood, thus he then sheds his own blood. But Jesus, or Peter, excuse me, um, Peter, in his denial, he, 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 it causes him great shame, um, but he sees it through, and he is forgiven by the Lord. He sees that there's another way, and uh, he ultimately is forgiven by the Lord. So um, that's, that's some, uh, you know, three, three chapters of context leading up until where we are today. And even in today, um, you know, this, this is, this, uh, this begins, or this, this is, this is, um, uh, how do I want to say this? This is, this is a really neat chunk. Uh, again, as you kind of, as you alluded to pastor Apple, or I should say just, um, you, you straight out said we're in, we're doing some teaching in the upper room on that Monday, Thursday before Jesus goes to Gethsemane. And, uh, with that, 
uh, we see uh, the second to last of the I am statements. Uh, Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and explaining out exactly what that looks like, especially, you know, I think all three of these, way, truth, and life, all hold together. They're not three different, but they're three uh, that work together, uh, ultimately, for the sake of the Christian. As you were talking about the pace of John's gospel and the way that he gets us very quickly to Holy Week, it's striking as we start chapter 14 today that once we get to Holy Week, and especially once we get to Monday, Thursday, he really slows it down. Mm -hmm. So in chapter 13, in the previous two shows, when we looked at that chapter, we saw Jesus already on Monday, Thursday, washing his disciples' feet, beginning some teaching already. We're going to be on Monday, Thursday now in chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, mm -hmm. to hear Jesus teach and pray before things, quote, happen again in chapter 18, before you really get to the narrative resuming about how Jesus ends up going to the cross. So but clearly the teaching that Jesus gives to his disciples in the upper room is very significant because John just spends so much time here with Jesus it must have had great significance to John himself as one of the apostles. And I think then it, it should have great significance for us as his disciples still today. Absolutely. And I think um, especially, you know, as it slowed down, this is this is the main, this, John's gospel is the big place where you see the teaching from the upper room. What, I mean, that this was, this is not just some sort of uh, celebration party or whatever, um, some sort of, um, you know, they're getting together to do the Passover. This is, this is more. This is a big. This is a big deal uh, in the life of the disciples, uh, and it's you know it's 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 the, it's in many ways Jesus's last will and testimony uh, to the disciples uh, as he is getting ready to leave them. Um, in you know if for for a moment, um, he'll pop back and forth uh, over those days after Easter, ultimately uh, ascending into heaven. But this is the last time where he has a good chunk of time um, to teach them and to be with them, uh, you know, and to impart what it is. The afterwards, it seems like, uh, in, in my opinion, it seems like after after Jesus does the resurrection, um, then and when he comes back in the midst of the disciples, it's really to convince them that he has actually resurrected and that and that he he loves them still, that he cares for them, that he wants to, um, you know, he, he wants them, he has, he has important work for them to do. And what is that important work? It's, well, it's to go out into the, it's, it's to go out and in, into this fledgling church and to, to take his death and resurrection out into the church and to share that with everyone, to share that with the, with the whole of the world so that they can, hear the gospel and in that be converted by the Holy Spirit and the church uh, may begin to grow and grow and grow and go to the far corners of the earth, which it does um, even into today. Mm, yeah, I mean, just on that, that same line of thought to try to expand it just a, a little bit, you know, when you think about this chapter, these chapters in the context of John's gospel, this is Monday, Thursday. And on the one hand, Jesus is getting them ready for the events that they're about to see, you know, on the rest of Monday, Thursday, into Good Friday, his betrayal, his death, and then into his resurrection. But so that they're sustained through those events, as difficult as they were going to be, Jesus wants to sustain them just for the next, what, 
36 to 48 hours. At the same time, and I think this is where you were going with what you were just saying, these words of Jesus then come back to the disciples after he's been raised from the dead as strengthening for that task that he knew he was going to give them. And so that, I mean, these, these chapters are more than just a farewell address of Jesus, kind of like what Moses does in the book of mm-hmm. Deuteronomy or Joshua in his book. It's, it's more than a farewell address because Jesus is going to come back. He, he knows he's going to be raised from the dead. And so he, it's a, a strengthening for after he's been raised and even after he ascends for them to go about, you know, the mission that he's given them. And just thinking about these chapters of John's gospel, again, really 14 to 17, when you see where they show up in the church here in the lectionary, they really are, I mean, and this is just through a, a glance of, of looking at the lectionaries in front of me right now and, and what I remember in terms of preaching as a pastor, these texts tend to show up in the season of Easter after Jesus has been raised from the dead, which is kind of striking when you think about he's saying them on Monday, Thursday, why are we reading them after he's been raised? Yeah. I think it's because of that function that he's not only preparing them for his death, but he's preparing for that time after he's a, he's been raised and ascended. Absolutely. I think, I mean, he's, he is absolutely preparing them and preparing them for, for, um, for the ministry that they're going to be, um, that he is, he is calling them into in order that they might, um, remember these things as eyewitnesses, um, and his, in his, in his, in his, in his works, but even more so in his, in his preaching and his teaching and how that has so shaped and changed the world and shaped who the, who we are as, as believers. And, uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, you, as we look at these lessons, um, following Easter, it, it, it just kind of opens our eyes. And I think in, in many ways, it's kind of like, you know, as, as, as Christians, we are those disciples on the road to Emmaus where, you know, as we think back on, um, the, the, the story of Jesus, you know, we, we, we too can say, um, and we remember as he was there with us, how he, he opened up our eyes to, to the scriptures, how he opened up and he lines everything up for us and, uh, and, and helps us see the things as they are. Um, so, um, they are continuing to, um, share in that and, and be able to help us um, see exactly who Jesus is and what he has done for us. With all of that introduction, we start chapter 14 of John's gospel this morning. Here's the text. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That's our text for today. That is John 14, verses 1 to 7. Uh, Pastor Wheatfield, just about this text in general, before we jump into individual points within these verses, I, I can't help but hear this text and think of all the, the comfort that comes 
uh, to those whose loved ones have died in Christ. That, that's I associate this text very much with the the Christian funeral service and the comfort that belongs to those uh, who are in Christ at the the moment of death. I, I just can't help but hear that text and and think of that. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is one of my favorite texts uh, for Christian funerals. Um, when I was a parish pastor, I had the, I had the privilege of, of doing many of our, 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 of our funerals at our church. And uh, this is a text that either I, I if, if, our, if the family um, was, uh, you know, kind of waffling between texts and wasn't sure on what to do, I'd kind of guide, or I would, or I would bring this text into my, my sermons uh, also. You know, it, it, there's, there, this is just so, just so beautiful. Uh, and just mm. so uh, comforting uh, in in way of that that this is Jesus, you know, he's always he's always at his best, but this is Jesus at his very very best uh, in way of comforting and and caring for for his disciples. I think, and 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 in that way, that us as well. And I think you know there there had to be some sort of hum going on, some sort of knowledge of the disciples. I mean, they don't get it completely, but they, I mean. For Jesus to say, for Jesus to warrant saying this, I mean, we, we, Jesus speaks to his disciples um, the things that they need to hear in the moment, yes, but because, uh, it, because it's Jesus speaking, those moments last uh, into the eschaton, last into eternity. But um, it also, um, so, so there had to be some sort of hum, some sort of buzz. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if there's not even some sort of demonic activity around the disciples at this point, um, and just uh, and this is this is pure speculation. There's nothing in Scripture that says this, but just knowing um, knowing how the devil wanted to pull uh, Jesus off course uh, to get him from completing this task. I mean, it's the devil who's who honestly tried to, probably again. Not this isn't in. Uh, scripture, but probably tempting him in the garden at Gethsemane, um, you know, especially when, when, when the father leaves him, the devil's there the whole time trying to, to pull him off course, trying to, you know, make, make him feel that what he's doing doesn't matter, that this isn't truly the father's will. Everything he tries to do in, in, um, in the, um, uh, in his temptation, Jesus's temptation in the wilderness that we saw um, just a couple Sundays ago when we began our, our Lent, um, that, 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 that continues on when, and especially when the text in, in, uh, a couple Sundays ago, uh, says, and, and you at, at the conclusion, and he left him for a more opportune time. Um, what is that opportune time? Well, you know, it Gethsemane, the cross, um, those places where you may not see the devil himself, but you can hear the demonic cries from the, from the crowd. Uh, especially those at the cross who are taunting him to come down, uh, and or, or even from the the one thief who says, "If you are, you know, if you are God, save yourself and us." And uh, you know, that's uh, that I mean, that is that is demonic right there. Uh, but it, it, at the same time, you know, I think around this around this um, this Monday Thursday, there's there's a demonic hum as well. And so Jesus says, "Yeah, let your heart not be troubled." I mean, how beautiful is that? And that bleeds into then uh, the life of the Christian at some at the hardest moments of our life, the loss of our loved ones, when we are utterly broken with the the, the wages of sin uh, sitting there before us, 
uh, oftentimes, you know, our dearest and most loved ones, uh, sometimes even those uh, who we have had the privilege of, of spending many years and even uh, many intimate years with, as husbands or wives or fathers and mothers, children of and the like, um, those stalwarts of the faith, those bedrocks of our lives now uh, ha are dead because of the wages of sin. But Christ our Lord says to us, let your hearts not be troubled. And uh, uh, how, how, how much more comfort can we receive from Jesus uh, than that? Um, just he, he, as he speaks, uh, Jesus, is, Jesus is the word of God, and that word of God is performative. It actually does what it says it's going to do. And so when Jesus says, let your hearts not be troubled, he is, he is the one who comes to comfort, sending his Holy Spirit to give us faith and comforting us with his presence and standing there with us in the muck and the mire of this world, receiving uh, his comfort and his love and his grace. Mm. Well, and the fact that Jesus says to his disciples at this moment, let not your hearts be troubled, I think is also significant in the fact that we've heard in the previous two chapters that Jesus at various moments has been troubled in his mm -hmm. spirit. You know, I mean, and so you, you think about the, the trouble that Jesus has experienced within his spirit knowing what's going to happen to him, knowing all that, that's going on. And yet, at that same moment, he tells his disciples, your hearts don't need to be troubled. You don't need to be troubled because of what I'm doing for you in this moment. As difficult as the time is going to be for them, as they see their Lord suffer, they see him crucified, they see him die, yet their hearts don't need to be troubled because he's doing it for them. He undergoes this troubling of spirit so that our spirits, our hearts don't need to be troubled. What a what a wonderful, great exchange that that Jesus gives to us that he would take our troubles so that we do not need to be troubled. Instead, we can have peace knowing that he is the one who has defeated the devil and his demons on our behalf. And he gives us this victory. He gives to us this eternal home, which is where he he begins to speak in the rest of our text. But we'll keep looking at that more on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking with Pastor Matt Wheatfelt this morning about John chapter 14. We will be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, March 15th. We are studying John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7 with Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. He is the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, prior to the break, we were talking about Jesus' opening words, let not your hearts be troubled. A great comfort in this context, as he has told them previously, right now, you cannot follow me. He, they know that he is going somewhere where they cannot go at the moment because he goes as the savior of the world. Yet he brings this comfort because he's, he's telling them about the way that they will go, the way to eternal life. That's where he's headed in this text. So their hearts don't need to be troubled. Instead, 
they can believe in God, believe also in me. Talk more about the rest of verse one there. Absolutely. Jesus says to us, believe in God, believe also in me. And here, Jesus is showing himself to be equal uh, to God. We see Jesus do this over and over and over again in uh, John's gospel. The first time he does it, uh, he does it in um, the first chapter of uh, in the first chapter of God, John's gospel, as he says in verse chapter eighteen uh, to us. He says, "Hold on one second. Uh, he he says, uh, "No one has ever seen God; only God." Uh, who is at the Father's side, he has known him. So he's equating himself to, to, to the Father uh, there in, in that, in uh, John 1, verse 18. He also does it in uh, chapter 10, the same chapter that he, he says to us uh, that, uh, that, that he is, uh, it's the same as the sheep and the, uh, I am the good shepherd, I am uh, the door to the sheepfold. Uh, and the like in in chapter in verse thirty, he says, "I and the Father are one." And so here he's just continuing on what he has said uh, previously uh, in in equating himself. Uh, but he and the Father are equals to each other. Uh, that they are. That, I mean, and, and ultimately, I think it's it's showing this the beauty as I as I began our conversation this morning with the um, economy. Uh, of the of the Holy Trinity, how does the Holy Trinity work? And in our confession, you know, we know that it's it, the, the 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 Father begets the Son. Uh, he is not created as as uh, some uh, in the early church, and some even today with Jehovah's Witnesses would want to would want to make uh, them sound or uh, especially or with with uh, you, know, you know Mormons uh, that that uh, Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints would want would want. Uh, him to to be, or and the 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 Holy Spirit comes from them both, and uh, how how beautiful is this that it, through John's Gospel we see that we see the beauty of the Trinity and uh, the Trinity as the the uh, Athanasian Creed says the Trinity and unity and the unity and Trinity, uh, how they work together and how they complete their task uh, in tandem with the other. And how the other, you know, doesn't step on the toe of the one, but that the, that there's a clear defined line. But at the same time, they are one, and that they are working together in 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 all of this. But it is the son's role uh, of for salvation, the father's role for creation, the Holy Spirit's role for our ongoing sanctification, for the bestowing of faith. And so, um, yeah, simply he, Jesus is, is, is equating himself uh, to, to, to be uh, one with the Father. Also, um, in John chapter 1, verse 12, uh, Jesus says, uh, but to all who, who did receive him, that is uh, John speaking of, of Jesus, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Uh, this is this is a, a continuation of, of 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 this beauty of of what um, you know of of this equality with God that it's through Jesus that we have the right to be called the sons of God, and because of that, um, you know, then then He is the one that gives access to to the Father as well. So uh, it's it's just it's it's absolutely magnificent how. Um, all of this really works together. How the let your hearts not be troubled, but but also why why are our hearts not to be troubled? 
Um, and if our hearts are not to be troubled, what are our hearts to be? Well, our hearts are to be believing and to believe in God and in Jesus and uh, who, 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 who counts uh, equality, uh, who, who, is, who is equal with God um, and uh, it, who, who holds all these things uh, together for us and gives us the right to be called the children of God. As Jesus continues, then he makes a, a wonderful promise. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. What is Jesus talking about there? So, um, you know, some translations will have that as many mansions. I, you know, I think the better is many dwellings, dwelling places. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the, the goal in all of this is that there be lots of people at the Father's side. This is not some sort of um, exclusive um, gathering or something that he's trying to carve. He's trying to thin his guest list down or anything like that. He's not trying to do that. There are many rooms. Um, and, and, and because there are many rooms, he wants many people there. The goal is that all would come to the knowledge of God and all would be saved. And we know that that, that doesn't happen, but the goal is that all would would be saved, uh, not that you know. Oh, only only folks with um, with, with certain features, or only f- certain folks born in certain places, or only certain folks uh, of, of of some of some variety or another variety, or you know, left-handers or right-handers or all sorts of weird stuff like that. No, that's not true. It's it's all it, it the the cross, Jesus's salvation is for all people. Uh, but the, there is, uh, you know, as we get deeper and deeper into, into uh, John, we see that there is, there, is a, there is a caveat, and that caveat isn't, uh, or that, and it's not that all, you know, all can do all things and be, still be saved. No, there is a way, there is a truth, and there is a life, and that is in Jesus. Uh, but uh, yeah, again, the goal is that more, pe- the goal is for more people, not for less people. So that is why Jesus is going where he's going, and this is where we connect to what he's been telling his disciples already. He's going somewhere where they can't go right now, but he is going for the purpose of bringing them there soon. So he's going to prepare a place for them, and and he tells them, I'm telling you this because it's true and because it's for you. Talk more about what Jesus says about his journey and what that means for the disciples as we get into verses two and three. Absolutely, Jesus is is going. I mean, he is he is on uh, he is on a mission, um, and if he as he says here in verse verse three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, will I not come back? That that that's so beautiful. Uh, the, that that. Okay, while while the next few days are going to be terrible and gruesome and hard, the guess what? There is there is something coming, uh, and that the, the the coming again points to two things. One, it points to the resurrection that Jesus that Jesus is not just going to die on the cross. That's not where this the story of Jesus ends. Instead, he does rise on the third day. He rises on that Easter. Um, on that Easter Sunday, but then it also points to his second coming. That he has a that 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 our time has not yet come for him to uh, bring us to uh, the, or for us to be with him in these in this in this dwelling places. Um, yet uh, we are we we live our lives. We we live in faith, and we ultimately then um, 
will receive the the, the gifts of the Lord uh, as he as he gives to us forgiveness, life, and salvation. But also, he allows us to live a live life. Um, and be loved and share love and, and, and share the gospel as well. And, um, it, so it's, it, it's just absolutely, it's absolutely glorious, but, um, he will come again. And when he comes again, again, that points first to his resurrection. And then secondly, because of his resurrection, our resurrection from the dead, our promise of life everlasting, uh, and when he brings us to the place where he is promising, uh, for 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 us to be. I've also, you know, this matter of coming again, the resurrection, the second coming. I've also thought that this is a very important text when we think about the ascension, particularly the promise that where I am, you may be also. Yeah. That that even though you know we cannot see him now in his ascension, yet we know that he is with us and we are with him. I, I think the ascension of our Lord is in view here as well. Absolutely, I think I think so too, because that gives us the clear. You know, we know where Jesus is. We know he's at the Father's Father's side. Um, that his, you know, he he dwelt on earth following the um, following his resurrection for only a little while, but then he ascended to sit at the hand, the right hand of the Father. And because he sits at the right hand of the Father, he promises that we too will sit at the we will too sit at the the right hand of the Father because that's where he he is and where he goes. Where he goes, that place too, uh, he has prepared a, a place for us as well. And in that, he allows for us to receive all the things that he he uh, he has done for us. So he's died. He is the one who's died the big death, uh, whereas our death is only a small death. It is um, as as so many uh, hymn writers, especially you know, you think about uh, uh, Johann Gerhardt uh, uh, in his in his beautiful hymn, "Lord, Thee I love with all my life, uh, all my heart." Um, just that that final that final stanza where he likens. Um, death to simply asleep, and uh, that that, and then finally that, and uh, that we will be, we will, we will be and see God face to face. I get tear, I get teary eyed even just thinking about that hymn because it's just such a poignant um, reminder of what actually matters and what the good life actually is. Um, but uh, it, you know, ultimately where Jesus goes, there we go also. So where G, where you know Jesus, Jesus goes to the cross, dies for our sins. They, there, we, you know, we, we take our sins to the cross and he dies for them. He goes, uh, he, he dies and goes into the ground. Um, so we will also die and go to the ground. We will, we will be as dead as dead can be. But then, uh, where, as he rose, so because he rose, we will rise also. And because he has ascended, so we too will be in heaven sitting at the father's right hand. And I'm glad you you brought up again the fact of Jesus' death in all of this. As we we listen to Jesus going to prepare a place for us, and we think about his resurrection, his ascension, his second coming, we might forget the the role that Jesus' death plays in all of this, which is integral. That this is his glorification is to go to death, and so to to strengthen the disciples in this way is marvelous because they're about to see him die. Well, what what's the point, Jesus? Well, among the points is that by his death. He is preparing this place for us eternally. So we, we don't want to lose sight of his death and the role that his crucifixion plays in all of this. This is integral to what he's talking about. By his death, he reconciles us to the Father so that there is place for us. And as you said, for as many as, as possible, that's the goal is to have more. His death is what opens this kingdom to us. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the cross 
is the point. Like the, the the cross is is the point of all of this. And not that he would he would just kind of needlessly, uselessly die or anything, but that 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 in his death we would find our salvation in his death. We would find the full forgiveness of all of our sins in his death. We would find uh, atonement and reconciliation with God, the father as our first parents found, uh, found nothing but uh, sin and guilt and shame. So now this second Adam, Jesus finds for us life and forgiveness and the, the, the promise of heaven. And Jesus says in verse four, you know the way to where I am going. That's going to become the point of confusion as the text goes on. But what is what is Jesus saying there in verse yeah, four? Yeah, again, I, our eyes are opened uh, uh, post resurrection, um, and I think it you know it, it is definitely yeah it, it it all makes sense after after the resurrection. That's the, that's the beauty. I love reading in Acts. Um, I love reading the book of Acts post resurrection. How the, the the clarity of the way that the that the that the apostles, the eyewitnesses, um, speak of um, like and and the certainty that they speak of Jesus's uh, death and resurrection. How it made it did not make sense to them um, as they were going through it, but following that, how it all makes perfect sense. How it all how this all had to be. And you know, and 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 why it all had to be this way, but uh, it yeah, it's it's just it's so magnificent how yeah the resurrection you know, and in many ways you know we we talk about you know I when I was in the parish uh, and when I still when I assist uh, in congregations teaching confirmation or whatever I like talking about this in the way of putting on our faith lenses uh, that that are that that through baptism. Uh, we are given faith and we see everything through the lenses of faith, through Jesus-shaped glasses. And so post um, the resurrection, those those glasses are shined up and more pristine and can cl- see more clearly than they ever have been able to because they, they, they've seen or they've lived through and now can look back and say, oh, yeah. All of this happened because of this. It makes perfect and complete sense. Hmm. Now, as as we said, Thomas speaks up in verse five. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? As we've mentioned in previous episodes, John often highlights the apostles who don't always get highlighted in the other gospels. So we've heard from Thomas before, and of course, he makes his most famous appearance after the resurrection. Here he's he's confused, and we've said nothing's going to be clear for these guys until after the resurrection. Got about 10 minutes, so I want to make sure we get to the I am statement, Jesus' response, that is meant to clear up the confusion. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Take us into that I am statement. Yeah, so that I am statement. First, um, you know, when when talking about these I am statements, one's hard pressed not to um, again note how um, it goes back to the fact that Jesus is calling himself God here. Like you cannot, you can't get past these um, I am statements without hearkening back to Moses in the burning bush when Moses asks. You know, so who am I to say sent me? And the Lord from the burning bush says, tell them I am sent you. That is basically like the being of beings. Uh, it is, this is, this is, this becomes then the name uh, of God, Yahweh uh, in the, in the old Testament um, 
for uh, when talking about um, about God. Um, and so Jesus, Jesus is um, hearkening back to this. Jesus is looking back at this and he's lining it up to say, yep, that, that, that this is all, this is all me. This is this. I am, I am part of the Godhead. This is, this is all us. And so he says, then I am the way, the truth and the life. So thinking about how this all, uh, how all, the, how this all works out, Jesus is not just a way. Um, that's one way that the world would like us to consider it. It's fine if Jesus is a way. Um, it was fine for, even for the for the early Christians for Jesus to be a way. But when when it when it when it happens that Jesus that it's exclusive and that Jesus is the only way, then trouble happens. Um, really, I mean, if you look at you look at the majority of religions throughout the or faith streams throughout the world outside of Christianity and maybe a handful of others. Um, you know, you can live in you can live with a pantheon of gods. You can live with the idea that there is some sort of you know that Jesus is a Jesus is God just as much as uh, you know Buddha is God just as much as Vishnu is God. That there are other ways. But then Jesus comes and makes this exclusive statement that I am the way. And in doing so, he puts he puts a, a smackdown, frankly, on any other any other way towards salvation, whether it's another God, uh, whether it is another way of salvation that is uh, doing, you know, uh, whether it's works, whether it's whatever. Um, Jesus says no. Plain and simple, I am the way. And in doing that, he he just he makes he makes you know what what seems to be this kind of um, very narrow-ish way of looking at it. But frankly, you know, as as he says, I am the way. He is giving us the key. He's saying it's me, guys. Like this is the only way to salvation. And 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 so follow me. And in doing that, you know, he's answering Thomas's question, Lord, how do we know where you're going? How can we know the way? And I, Jesus says, I am, I'm, I, it's me, look here. Like all you got to do is, is, is track here. I, I am that way. And in being that way, I, it, it is all me. And so, and really just Jesus is compounding upon that so that we don't get confused. We don't lose sight. We don't lose track of exactly who or what he is or we are or anything like that. that and so he, he compounds that. I am the way. And then adding to that the truth and the life. It is all plain and simple. And then to, to kind of even compound even more on that, no one comes to the Father except through me. Wow. I mean, how, how, how much more? We've been talking about you know, in verse two, in my father's house are many rooms. Well, how do we get there? It's through Jesus. It's through what he is going to be doing. That's why I said, you know, this, you know, the point of the point of, of, of the gospels is the cross, is that we get Jesus to the cross and that he dies for our sins. Why? Because it's through Jesus and through his cross that we have access to the father. Without Jesus on the cross, our access to the father is null and void. 
we've lost our we've lost that access from because of the first sin and we've been clamoring and trying to get there and only been able to see it within very murky water um so to speak uh through the sacrificial system and uh it was something that needed to happen over and over and over and over again and then finally finally in the person of Jesus we have the 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 the, the penultimate um um completion of that that through Jesus's death we there no more death no more sacrifices need to happen Jesus is the propitiation the full atoning payment for our sins once and for all that's it end of sacrificial system um, and now he gives to us his death and his resurrection as a free gift uh, and as as uh, in, in way instead of having to to pay for this over and over and over again to do works over and over and over again um, uh, to keep the law over and over and over again for our salvation he has forgiven us of every single sin he has in a, in 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 a, in many and various ways also checked off every single one of the the laws of the 10 commandments and instead as luther says instead of um requiring us to do that no he 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 doesn't abolish the law he turns it around and hands it back to us as a checklist completed but now to be done for the neighbor and not for self and um so yeah jesus jesus is the way he is the truth he is the life no one comes to the father except through him and that is it's 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 inclusively exclusive all are invited but then there is this very narrow path and that path as we have faith in Jesus becomes as wide as the day is long and uh, that that he welcomes us and invites us in and forgives us of all of our sins Mm-hmm. I really appreciate the points that you're making there, especially as you were talking about what Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's very easy to hear that in a, a very negative way. And yet, as you explained, it's quite positive. No one comes to the Father. You you don't get to go to the Father because you're a sinner, except, <laughs> except for Jesus. Exactly. And because of Jesus, the way is open. And that, man, that just makes that such a wonderful promise from our Lord. We've got about three minutes here on the morning, Pastor Wheatfelt. Help us to wrap things up on this beautiful text from John 14. Absolutely. So Jesus, you know, Jesus concludes uh, in in verse seven. Then, uh, I, I if you have if you had known me, you would have known the Father, uh, so on and so forth. Jesus uh, here as Christ is showing Himself as fully divine, and uh, having seen Him, now we see the Father as well. Um, you know, I, 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 this is this is such a wonderful, wonderful gospel text. Um, it is, it is, as I said before, you know, inclusively exclusive, exclusively inclusive. However you want to, however you want to say that, um, it is God's love, God's grace, God's mercy is gift for you, and uh, it is given to you through Jesus's death on the cross, the only way to salvation, not your works, not some other god. Not um, not this, that, or the other thing. Not some sort of you know. If you if you say the the right words at the right time in a, some sort of legalistic way, that you will receive salvation. This is all gift for you. Everyone is in, and the only way out is to take oneself out. And people do that. People do that all the time. People choose 
to 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 follow another god. Choose, people choose to follow the me god and to say, no, I, I'll I'll figure this out myself. Kind of the 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 Burger King God, if you will. I'll have it my way. Um, and uh, and and to choose to 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 do that. But Jesus Jesus gives us God's grace and mercy through his death on the cross. And that is, that is for everyone. That is, that is, that is a gift for all people. It's not uh, for some and not for others. It is for all people, but he still is the only way. And that is the only way. The cross is the only way to earn salvation. And it's not you earn salvation, but it's earned for you and is given to, to you for gift. And so finally, um, we still know the Father through the Son. Uh, we have our relationship with the Father uh, because of the Son. We have our adoption as the children of the Father because of our brother, the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has, uh, who, who has, who has given him, himself for us so that we could be called the children of God. Uh, and because of we are, we are sons and daughters of, of, of the Father because of what his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord has done and has given to us. So thanks be to God for that. Pastor Matt Wheatfelt is the director of admissions and the director of the Christ Academy program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's been helping us today to study John chapter 14, verses one to seven. Pastor Wheatfelt, thanks for being our guest today. Uh, my pleasure, Pastor Apple. God bless you and uh, blessed Lent. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Apart from Jesus, the way is closed. But because of Jesus, the way is open. It is open for you. Believe in God. Believe also in Him. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.